You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not losing losing our shit. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. This is Megan. And this is Mickey. Hey, everybody. Another week, another show. We, um, I really wish that I could say, hey, we're going to not talk about COVID this week, but you just know that that's not us. So this week, we're going full COVID on you guys. <laughs> we brought in a nurse practitioner who was kind enough to just let us talk her ear off and ask all of the questions. Smart questions, dumb questions, everything we could think of. Our questions, this. your questions. Yeah, ready just to ask everything we could think of. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the big elephant in the room for everybody. We always tiptoe around it. We're all just, like, doing our Dr. Google research and Facebook news research day in and day out. So we thought we would crack down, get to the bottom of what's really going on, get the real real, and share it with you guys. So um, we're going to have her on here shortly, but before that, let's just kick off our episode as usual with our highs and lows. Me? I'll go first. Okay, here I go. So my high is we were brave and we, drum roll please, socialized. (laughs) (laughs) We had our friends Hazel and Caleb and their little son Alistair come over and we were out on the back porch and we kept our masks on and we stayed over six feet apart. They are just as cautious as us and so it felt really comfortable to have them over and we actually let our children go near each other Mm -hmm. and it was so scary but it's just like they're being careful we're being careful like we're just gonna do it and so Alistair he just turned one today and Nora's gonna be two in oh my gosh like a week so they're they're just like almost exactly a year apart from each other which is so cute because last time we saw them it was right at the beginning of March and Alistair was just like a little baby and now he's like a kid it was just It was so crazy to see what a difference, but Nora did not know what to do with herself. She was, he's just one, right? So he's like, whatever, I'm just walking around and I don't really care. Ooh, shiny thing. Ooh, cool new toy. Nora's like, Alistair, Alistair's so cute. And she was like following him around. Like every step he would take, she was like three steps behind him. And she was just like shrugging her shoulders, like tilting her head, like, oh. Alistair's so cute and just like hugging him like smothering him with hugs we're like no kisses no kisses like no (laughs) saliva at all like we're not there yet but just I mean she was just like so excited all over him and it they were only here for like an hour and a half and it was like just enough time to like dip our toes in and just melt our hearts so much because the way that she acted just being around another kid for the first time really in like months was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, so heartwarming. So we were really happy that we did that. It was scary, but we mm. were as safe as we possibly could be. And yeah, we did it. So that's awesome. I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was stressful. You know, I mean, we've done a few socializing things with family, which, you know, is stressful too, but everything's been outside and with masks on and, you know, we we're just doing the best we can. Um, 
and making, you know, we have to have some socialization. So, and then my low, I don't know. I have a few to choose from. Let's think about this. I, uh, my wrinkles are out of control. <laughs> We're going to go with that one. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just like as a whole, I'm, I just feel so old. I just feel old. I feel like this whole situation has aged me. Like I'm looking at pictures from the beginning of like before quarantine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I looked so pretty and like, bright and youthful and like I just feel like this like washed up old hag (laughs) my birthday is coming up so maybe it has a little bit to do with that I just like I'm just tired all the time and I just like notice these wrinkles on my nose when I smile like I knew I had forehead wrinkles and like crow's feet like crow's feet are kind of endearing because you're happy like but Mm -hmm. I noticed like these wrinkles on my nose when I smiled like in the middle of my nose that just like crunched up and I'm just like okay something's got to give so I spent a hundred and seventy dollars on a skincare system which is absolutely ridiculous I'm well aware that that is a ridiculous amount of money to spend on something like this but I love it I it was like so worth it I've been using it for like 11 days now and I just like noticed such a difference my skin just feels brighter like my under my eyes I got like an eye cream you know all those memes that's like oh if you remember this it's time for an eye cream yeah Mm -hmm. that's me eye cream so I got it it's like I'm really happy with it but I still feel super old so if anybody has recommendations to like skincare system like the rest of my existence I would really really love them to come my way I mean to be honest though I don't think that that's even ridiculous I personally am not a skincare queen like I buy drugstore whatever I've been using moisturizer and eye cream for years but I mean I I have done some research into looking into oh what are these and these and that I mean that doesn't seem like a bad deal at all and you can spend a lot more I mean you could spend a lot more than that on it you know so I mean I just got like a moisturizer with SPF which I know is a big deal Mm -hmm. and then um an eye cream and a night cream and I could go down like a rabbit hole but I'm I'm just gonna start there and hopefully it will make me feel a bit better about myself and my old <laughs> well, I think you look beautiful as always. Thank you. I'm, I wasn't fishing uh, there. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like genuinely how I'm feeling awful. Oh, I know. There's a lot of days where I've been obsessing about my gray hair for a while now, and I go in Mike and I'm like, I just need you to just like look at my head and just. And he like yanked one out. I was like, don't pull them all out, or I'm gonna be bald. Okay, we're <laughs> getting there. I feel you. This, yeah. Yeah, That's the other thing. thing. Thanks for reminding me of that. I mean, I'm really just going in on this like super vain low, but whatever. This is how I'm feeling right now. I like lost a lot of hair in this one patch when after I had Nora and mm-hmm. it's like all growing back. You guys can't see me, so I don't even know why I'm saying this, but it's like in my temple area and it's like growing back in this big chunk. So I have like a cheekbone length, like chunk on the right side of my head in my temple area underneath the rest of my hair and it is so frustrating I'm not going to hair salons still 
And so I'm just like, what am I even supposed to do with this? It's just adding to the like, bleh. I just feel yeah. bleh. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I get it. Um, okay, let's see. My high. Um, we're going camping. Woo! That's a huge high. So after our last episode, we talked a little bit about like what we want to do to kind of feel back to normal and whatever and I really wanted to get the hell out of my house out of my town just like go somewhere and I know it's not safe to do that yet um but camping is open so we I'm like I pretty much was like look we're going camping so when do you want to go when can we go let's do this we're just going for two nights our normal camping spot it's like not even an hour away. It's pretty close to home and we're familiar with the place. The campsites are like not too close together. We got some two that are like not around other ones. Like we did everything we could to stay away from people. We won't have to use the public bathrooms at all. It'll be like as safe as possible. And I'm so excited about it. And I'm so excited to have something to like plan and look forward to. That's not just like, ooh, pick up our click list order. <laughs> like, I, that is exciting. <laughs> right? I mean, it is still getting me out of the house. But this, yeah, I'm super excited about it. The kids are excited. It's going to be amazing. And I can't wait. And now I just, like, want to go camping. I mean, I, we haven't gone yet. And it's never as, you know, glamorous or anything as, like, a vacation vacation that I would like to take. But it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait. And then I'm just going to live outside. For the rest of yeah. COVID times, because it'll be a change. But um, let's see, my low. Hmm. I had kind of a nothing like super mega bad, except I'll just say social media mm. has been my low lately. Yeah, I don't know if I've already talked about that, but it's just so draining and just a lot. It's a lot right now especially but kind of always but to the point where I'm like I I don't even I I should go through and just pick like my top few friends and only follow them right now because it's just like emotionally draining and frustrating and like sickening at times to see like some of the things that people are posting and just everything is such a like political statement and everything so divide every single issue has to be a left or a right thing Mm -hmm. like we can't all just agree that like keep your germs to yourself no yeah. we we keep our germs ourselves but oh no we're, we're not allowed to keep them to ourselves it's dumb if you keep like just no people yeah. like I am just sick of it and it like disgusts me on a daily basis and I am a very people liking person in general until now I just hate everybody and I just don't want to see anyone I mean I do but I don't want to read anybody's opinions right now it just is turning me into a cranky bitter old woman for sure yeah I'm I am right there with you and it's like at this point it's really hard to like hold my own tongue on social media which I generally like don't want to piss anybody off and so I don't usually Mm -hmm. post things that I feel passionate about when it comes to you know things like what's being posted right now but it's like everybody else is so like screw it I might as well just throw my hat in the ring too because but it's, uh, that's not healthy either I mean it's like when you're posting something you're like ooh, I know this is gonna piss somebody off and it's like making you excited like that's not a good thing either right but, right yeah. but I mean we're really bored right now at home mm-hmm. if you want to start some internet fights I'm not gonna judge you for that 
<laughs> I, I have to say this is a little bit of a tangent, but Taylor Swift just dropped her new album the other day. Oh, floor, um, which is good and really different. But um, just I've been listening to her music a lot lately because I have nothing better to do but listen to music. And I'm just like, my life will never be this dramatic ever. Like when I'm like, we're just home. She's out like getting in feuds and breakups and makeups. And it's just made my life. I was like, well, this is just making me feel even more bored in the house, bored in the house, bored. <laughs> so, like, I, just, <laughs> I just need to cut off mm-hmm. all media for a little while. Another yeah. reason camping will be good for the soul. Mm-hmm. Social media is the worst. Mm-hmm. Nature is yeah. the best. Yeah. It is. Oh, man. Sorry. That's nothing we can do about that. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Just, just, gonna... just feeling the woes this week. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I know. Well, we're going to get this episode going, which, given the topic of what we're talking about, it actually is a pretty fun episode. It's really, really informational. Our guest, Mary Ellen, was so helpful. It was so awesome of her to come on and let us pick her brain. So, a little bit about her. She is a DNP MPH. She is a family nurse practitioner, associate professor of nursing. She lives in Olympia, Washington. She has four teenagers, one husband, one dog, three cats, three goats, four ducks, six chickens, a turtle, and a snail. And if that isn't enough to keep her hands full, she's also running for the Washington State House in LD22. So, This woman was just such a joy to talk to, so informative, just kept things so real, and we really got down to all of our burning COVID questions and got some clarity and some facts and just like a great insight on what is really going on. So please welcome to the show, Mary Ellen Biggerstaff. Hi, Mary Ellen. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we're so excited to talk to you about this topic and just get to know you in general. Um, So why don't you go ahead and let our listeners know a little bit about yourself? Okay, yeah. So my name is Mary Ellen Biggerstaff. I'm a nurse practitioner. I actually am a doctor nurse, which is a little confusing, but I'm a nurse practitioner and I have a master's degree in public health. And so a friend of mine um, was online and told me that I should absolutely um, respond to this because I was a healthcare professional to talk about COVID and hopefully give some science-based facts and, 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 some, and talk about that openly with everybody and parents who are thinking about the fall and school opening up or not opening up. Um, I live in Olympia, Washington. I'm a mom of four teenagers. And as of this podcast recording, I don't know how much longer, I am a candidate for the Washington State House and Legislative District 22 as well. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. You've got your hands full. So we really appreciate you taking your time to come on and chat with us. And just, you know, there's so much information out there about COVID and it's become such like this political, dividing, just crazy thing now and so we just thought the media is just so confusing and with school getting ready to be back in session however that's going to look and just uh, most of our listeners are moms um, or professionals and so just there's so many questions and concerns and so we thought it would be awesome just to get to the bottom of it as much you know I know there's still so much unknown so as much as you can and just kind of 
crack the truth on some of these things to, you know, help people ease their minds as much as possible. So absolutely. Yeah. So let's just kind of dive in. So, I mean, do you want to kick us off just like with your general overview of COVID and the situation? Yeah. So it was, um, so I, I, like everybody else started hearing about it, you know, um, in January and started thinking and hearing about it. So in public health and epidemiology, it's kind of been known that we were due for a very bad pandemic. People thought it was probably going to be the flu, but we didn't know what it was. So every year when that, you know, a virus starts coming around and you're starting to hear about it, it's always kind of like, okay, is this going to be the year that this is really going to change our lives and be a big deal and, and really affect people. And, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, not even remotely prepared for really what was the happening and what was the reality. So yeah, we went into um, shutdown in March as a family, kind of personally. We, um, my clinic where I work stayed open and I work in a family practice clinic. So it's not like a high acuity, like a hospital or an ICU where you're seeing really, really sick patients. But mm -hmm. we stayed open and been seeing patients the whole time. Unfortunately, my daughter, who was in her freshman year of college in Atlanta, had to fly home and is not returning back there, which I feel so bad with, like, you move off, and you're like, I'm 18, and I'm free, and then, yeah. and now yeah. she's home with her parents in Olympia, and, like, not able to return to college, and so that's really, that's really too bad. I had another daughter that just graduated from high school this year, um, so that's kind of what is happening in our family, where it's really affected, you know, affected our family, and how we're working through things. Medically and clinically, I think there's still, even understanding the science and knowing what's going on, things are changing really fast and there's way more that we still don't know. And that's why I think it can be really overwhelming because even if I'm, I'm trained and I understand what the data that's coming at me and I can look at that and I'm kind of like, okay, I know what's happening. I can see what's happening. There's still so many more questions. And so I think it's completely overwhelming for people. Um, and there's also a lot of a big, a lot of emotional response, which I completely understand because there's a, there's a lot going on in our lives. that changed a lot. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a very broad overview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, especially at the beginning, it's, it was kind of like, you know, you could be, you could have been on this podcast and by the time that it came out, yeah. the data could have been different. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like that has kind of at least calmed down a little bit with how much it's changing, how quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. So masks. Let's just get it out of the way here really quickly. I know this is such a hot topic yeah. right now. Tell us what so, you think about masks. So, yeah, you know, um, so I would not say that it's 100% foolproof. Like, we know that masks will solve the problem. But the data really, like, an experience from other countries and what we're seeing in places where there's mask mandates versus no mask mandates, masks are a really good idea and probably one of the best things that we could do if you have to be inside or if you have to be around people that aren't in your immediate family. Um, I certainly have everybody in my family, we're, we're wearing masks when we're outside or if we're going, we don't go into my mom's house. My mom is 80 and if we go over and we like mm. drop something off or we say hi to her outside or something, we're wearing masks. Um, you know, I also think it's really important not to shame people for not doing it. Um, I, not that I would agree with it or I would encourage anybody not to wear a mask, but I don't think that that particularly helps people want to do it more. Um, so I think that's pretty important to, you know, not be screaming at people on the streets who are not wearing masks. Um, I, it really, you know, I've had to wear a mask for years when I'm in clinic, I routinely wear a mask like 12 to 14 hours a day. It's not great, but it's not dangerous. Um, so I think that that's if people need to do that, that it's very, 
being reassured it really is okay and fine to wear a mask all day long. You're not going to pass out. You're not going to have um, hypoxia, which is low oxygen. Um, so, yeah, and I think that we have been spared so far in Washington State some of the worst because we have had such aggressive mask mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not 100%. It doesn't mean that you'll never get COVID or you can't pass it, but it seems to really help. That was going to be my question because I, I, there was so much um, talk in the beginning, either 100% yay masks or like, oh no, masks are so, could be bad for you. I'm like, it seemed interesting argument to make because I'm like, I'm pretty sure doctors have to wear masks a lot yeah. and I think <laughs> they, they would know, right? Yes. So, yeah, I'm glad and that you brought that up. Personally, in my clinic, I think one question is, oh, if I... And um, my daughter actually currently is working at a, as a waitress and, and she, mm. she needs to get a job and get out of the house a little bit, but yeah. she wears a mask and she has patient, people who show up in her restaurant who are like, I can't wear a mask. I've got this. I've got high blood pressure. And there's almost no real medical diagnosis that would say you could not wear a mask. It might be more uncomfortable and be a little bit harder for some people to wear it, but there's no like medical diagnosis where if you have asthma, you can't wear a mask and that's just the way it is. That's really, that's kind of a myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you say about, you know, nobody should be shaming either side. Um, you know, we just need to be kind and hopefully, you know, hearing things like this and kind of the factual standpoint of how much masks do help can kind of help people, you know, guide them into maybe starting to want to try to wear them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I also can get like the false sense of security from masks, which like you said, it's not 100%. You're not going to be completely safe, but, you know, it's a good yeah. way to try. Yeah. So as things are, well, they they were slowly starting to reopen. Now I think we're going to start going the other way. But um, eventually we'll start easing in. What kind of um, safety tips do you have for people as we're, like, slowly starting to socialize with, like, higher numbers of people? Yeah, you know, and I think a really good thing to keep in mind, too, with that, with, like, oh, we're opening up a little bit. Um, unless something changes and there's some really big change that isn't necessarily expected, this is probably going to be the reality of our life for like a year to 18 months. Like this is not like, this is still like, we're, we're still really in even the beginning, the beginning stages of it. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Like what can you tolerate? Um, yeah, really. And this is kind of what our family does is we don't ever go into anybody else's house. We, any, if, if we, there are a handful of friends we may have over, or we may have my parent, my, my in-laws um, come over, meet us outside, try and stay six feet away from each other. People are wearing masks. We're not touching. We're really careful to wash our hands. Um, you know, I mean, you have to go into places like you have, I mean, we have to go grocery stores. I have to go to work. So nothing is, nothing is, you know, I wouldn't say that there's anything I'd be like, absolutely not. Um, I think it's going to be a long time before I would feel comfortable going into a bar or even going inside of a restaurant. I have now eaten outside once um, at a restaurant um, and that felt pretty, pretty, you know, pretty crazy. Um, And so I think things like bars, restaurants, concerts, those are going to be a long time coming back. Um, But, you know, we have to... I talk to my friends all the time and they're, we're all for our families, all trying to make these decisions with not complete facts and a lot of emotions of just like, I have, you know, this is something that's really important to me. I want to go and do this now. And I think people should feel okay doing that. Um, I, I, like I said, I would not recommend crowded indoor spaces for anybody for as long as you possibly can handle that. But you know, Mm -hmm. if, if, if what you really want to do is 
go over and eat outside, you know, with a friend and have dinner and you're going to sit far away and you're going to be outside, wear a mask most of the time and, and go and enjoy things too. Like don't, I don't think people should feel like they're complete prisoners and they can't do anything fun at all. Mm-hmm. I love that because it, it does. I mean that you can really start going down that slippery slope of feeling totally trapped and isolated and just the fear, I think. And, you know, having that outlook of at, at the beginning, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we're just going to lock down for a couple months and then we're going to go back to normal. And, oh, July 15th, that's when we're going to be completely reopened and everything's, but just because we're reopening, it's, the virus isn't going away. So I, I really like your perspective though, about knowing that it's going to be around for a long time and just what, you know, just be safe as you're moving forward. What about like play dates for children? Because with children, you can't, you can't keep them six feet apart. You no. can't, and a lot of them, you know, younger children can't wear masks. So, yeah. you know, what are, what are kind of the rules, so to speak on that? Um, Yeah, you know, I actually think that the idea of probably forming some kind of pod is a pretty good concept that you talk with somebody that maybe has a similar risk level, you know, that you feel comfortable taking the same kind of level of risks, maybe nobody is working outside their house at all, or, or that you that you have a any of comfortable comfort level and your kids get along. I think that's a really good idea to have like a limited number of people that you will go with and you will hang out with and, and let your kids play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause kids yeah. need to get out of the house too. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's going to kind of, I'm going to segue us into school yeah. because that is something yeah. really heavy on my mind this year. I should have a kindergartner and a second grader and I'm like, was so anxious to get my kindergartner into school and have no kids home during the day, which, and, and just, there's so much unknown right now. Um, what are, what are your takes on the school situation? One, I so don't envy the people that are having to make those decisions. Like every, I mean, at every level, because there isn't really any good options. I think um, I have, you know, I, I know people on both sides of the, of the aisle. I know teachers who are like, you can't ask us to go back to school because you said, like you said, kids aren't going to follow rules. We know it's not going to be safe. That if people go back to teachers, people that work in the schools, they're going to be exposed to it. It's going to spread the virus. I mean, that's just the reality. But at the same time, I mean, on, on one level, you have parents who are like, oh, I really want my kids in school. And other for other families, um, you know, that maybe are living on socioeconomic borders or, you know, really, really struggling school is an absolute necessity. Like that's where, you know, it's absolutely essential that they, they, their kids go to school. They cannot teach them at home or they just can't manage them. Um, gosh, I wish, I wish I had some wonderful answer, but I think it is just about deciding degrees of risk of what works for your family. What can you guys manage? Um, I only have one kid left in high school and he's fairly, he's fairly introverted. And I think that he will, and really self-disciplined. So I think online schooling is going to be okay for him. Like I think, but you know, if, if I look back, like when my kids were like seven and eight <laughs> and that age, I don't know that I can, ima- I couldn't, I couldn't imagine trying to homeschool them and trying to let alone homeschooling them while I'm working. So yeah, okay. that's, I wish I, I, I was racking my brain for some really like wonderful, brilliant answer. And it's just a matter of everybody deciding what risk, you know, what risk was tolerable, what people can do. And hopefully, I think most school districts are trying really hard to offer options. That mm-hmm. if you have a kid that it is, maybe they have a learning disability and it's just they have to be in school, um, that you have that option and people that maybe are more flexible or more risk averse, that they can they can teach their kids from home. So what, I mean, in your opinion, what is the realistic risk? Like, let's say that they did open schools and it was 
you know, all in person. Yeah. Based on the data that you have, what, what really is the risk for that? Yeah. I mean, for that, we know, we know just from kind of the numbers of who's gotten, who's gotten sick and, and who has died and who's been gravely ill and who's died that, teachers, people that work in schools and children will die. I mean, it won't necessarily be, you know, hundreds of thousands, I, but, but that that's, it's going to cost people their lives. Um, mm-hmm. if, if we, if we opened up schools and just went like, nope, everything's back to normal. This is exactly what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we would see a lot of people that would die. Um, I think trying to do it with reduced numbers and trying to do as much distancing as possible and kind of making accommodations. So it's safer. Um, I actually have a friend in Los Angeles whose elementary school is largely outside and they may be able mm. to go back. Um, they may be able to go back to school a little bit more than here where we don't like outside school is not something that we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Outside schooling. That would, yeah. And everything called. outside seems <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so much more comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, th- I've put a lot of thought into this because when I first when like early on I was like oh yeah we're sending our kids back in fall oh yeah no problem it's gonna be fine and they were like oh the masks and I'm like okay uh I don't know if I could make my kids yeah. wear a mask I think that'd be kind of scary for them to go to school and like be in I just imagine hallways of like people in hazmat suits and like that being just really traumatic for them there's like movies I remember E.T. as a kid that that like scene of them going in the house I'm like that was traumatizing so but I mean now the kids see people in masks everywhere they wear masks every time we go somewhere so that part lessened but then yeah there's just so there's just so much to consider and yeah like our the the numbers out there like oh only one percent of kids that get it would die okay that's one if not if my kid's that one percent I have a real big problem with that I don't want anyone else's kid to be part of that one percent either there's just but I do understand yeah it's hard like you said there's no right answer there's no right answer because you there's so many different needs out there what I am hoping happens I would really appreciate if they could do the um like online learning option so the families that are able to that have maybe a stay-at-home parent who it wouldn't their family wouldn't be as hugely like financially impacted to have the kids stay home can and that way at least it'll help decrease the class sizes and just keep the buildings a little emptier and a little more spaced out so it's safer for those kids that really do need to go back yeah yeah but I can't imagine being a teacher to go back to that I mean, and that's, you know, that like, you know, that, that, that plays too into just workers' rights and should we ask people because we don't have enough safety equipment to, I mean, we can't like put everybody in a hazmat suit every day and be hey, like, yeah. oh, do, is it fair to ask teachers and, and people that work in the lunchrooms and, and bus drivers, is it fair to ask them to risk their health to send kids back to school? And that's, yeah, like I said, I wish I had good answers. <laughs> yeah, I, there's just, yeah, there's no right answer. I mean, I have a toddler, she's she's going to be two and she hasn't done any daycare or anything like that yet. But, you know, I don't envy anybody who has to make the school decision Um, with her. We're just having a problem with like the socializing decision, you know, and just what's the risk versus how important it is for her to socialize. It's it's so tricky. Um, Yeah. Well, we have quite a few just kind of general COVID questions <laughs> for you. Um, so if you don't know the answer to these, I mean, they're just kind of from our listeners and, you know, I'm sure you get asked these a lot. Um, so the the first and biggest one was, is it safe to send your kid back to school? Which, you know, 
We just no. kind of covered, but. I mean, if you say, and it's funny because anybody that works in public health or like epidemiology, it's always like a degree. Like you'll never be like, oh yeah, it's like nothing is ever a hundred percent, but no, right. I mean, I consider it like uh-huh. safe in the sense that like, there's no way that your kid could get COVID at school or that they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have problems. I wouldn't, I mean, you know, parents have to do, we all have to do what we have to do <laughs> and to, to get through this time, but I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, safe, no problem. Go for it. <laughs> right. Okay, another question, and this is all over the internet, but is COVID toes a real thing? So I have yet to see it, but from what I understand in medical um, medical literature, absolutely. Yeah, I've heard I've heard anecdotal evidence of multiple doctors and stuff talking about having seen that as a symptom. Um, hmm. I'm jumping around, and the one symptom that I have consistently heard from people that I know that have had it. Loss of taste. That is like a very, a, a really like almost like a hallmark of it, which is kind of, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was one of the other questions is, are, are the main symptoms still shortness of breath, fever, and cough? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Oh. How long does it actually live on surfaces? So, you know, people are seeing things that say it can live for hours or for days. So what's the what's the verdict on that? I don't think that there is a final official verdict. Honestly, I am not particularly worried and I haven't read anybody that I really trust that's really super worried about living on surfaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, a, 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 a door handle or something like that. Like if you're touching something that a lot of people have touched, you want to wash your hands with soap and water. But I'm not like disinfecting my groceries or, you know, like leaving things packages outside for three days waiting to, die, you know, waiting to make sure everything is dead. Really, it's person-to-person contact that's really is 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 the big and 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 airborne um, are the big two concerns. So okay. I'm not really worried about things on. I wouldn't be overly worried about con on surfaces. Okay, that's helpful. Uh, yeah, the groceries thing was going to be our next question because I know that that was really big. That guy put out the video in the beginning, and I know some of us were real hardcore, like doing the stations, and I mean that's a lot. So that's good to know that that hasn't been a huge transmitter. No, no, not, not, I think, I think that may be a little bit of overkill, not to say that there might not be something there, but um, I think mm-hmm. it's probably a little bit of overkill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are, how, how long can it live in the air? It's sorry. Cause this wasn't one of the questions. I just had this when you're saying airborne. Oh, that's a good, you know, so there is a big, there's a big debate right now about whether it's airborne or it's respiratory droplets. Like is it mm. contained in something or is it passed literally through the air? So that is not something that I have heard an official, an official um, absolute date on. I'm not particularly worried about like, again, like if you walk through a building that somebody had been in two days ago, is it likely to be still hanging around the air? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, personally, I'll just ask one of my own questions, I guess, since we're doing a Q&A here. What, you know, if you go to work or to the grocery store, is is it something where you're needing to come home and change your clothes and wash your hair? Can it live on clothing and hair? Um, I wouldn't worry about um potentially yes. I mean, I again would never say like absolutely right. not. Um, yeah, I do change, and I'm like my own personal practice. What I do when I work at the hospital and clinic. I change my clothes as soon as I get home and, and put those in the laundry and like don't walk around with that or do anything else in those clothes. But when I go to the grocery store, no, I don't. I make sure I wash my hands when I first come home and then just go about my day. Mm-hmm. That seems yeah. careful and like not insanity provoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so I had a question too that's on here. So I everywhere that I have had to go, like a um, physical therapy, a few doctor's appointments, they're taking our temperatures. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. So if you ha- are carrying the virus, but you're asymptomatic, will you still have a temperature? Nope, you'll be totally asymptomatic. You, I, that, yeah. So that's kind of, okay. yeah, I'm not sure how, I, I mean, that's one control measure that are trying to catch people that might be coming into a building and trying to weed them out. But mm-hmm. the real risk is that you would just feel totally fine and have no idea. Yeah. Okay. I was really, really confused about that. Cause like, isn't, isn't the danger that we don't know we're sick and then I'm like, Oh, (laughs) but you would have a fever or not. Okay. Thank you for that. That was helpful. I was really, really confused about that part. Okay. Good to know. And are asymptomatic people contagious for just as long as symptomatic? That is another question that we don't know. So Mm. there's some, there's quite a bit of debate. So kind of this on the safe side, Anybody would say like, okay, if you have a known exposure that you should isolate yourself um, for two weeks, that that should be pretty safe. Mm -hmm. It looks like people that are symptomatic have a viral load that's higher and are more likely to transmit it. But again, I've seen, I've seen data going both ways. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And is it mostly younger people that are asymptomatic or is it kind of all over the board? Anybody can be asymptomatic, but it, I know that they, especially in Florida, they've talked about the number of young adults that are asymptomatic carriers mm-hmm. is very high as a high mm-hmm. percentage, just because it's more likely to make older people sick. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, makes sense. Um, so what's about the average time frame that people would start to notice symptoms if they have been exposed? Oh, that's a really, you know what? I actually am not sure that I know that off the top of my head. I'm going to totally look that up while we're talking too. So hit me with another question and I'll look that up. Um, I have heard, I have heard, I, I definitely have heard three, um, three to four days that if you, but to give it a full, a full week, um, or sorry, a full two weeks, if you have been exposed, flu, we know usually happens within 24 hours and it seems like COVID is taking a little bit longer to come on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this question I really liked. Um, are people really getting it twice or is it most likely a bad test? And if you get an an antibody test and it says you have antibodies, does this mean you cannot spread it? So that's actually a really good point. So there are two tests. There are, rap- there are tests that you get to see if you have it actively and then you can get a test that you can test to see if you have antibodies, which is what we'd normally test to see if somebody has been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, neither test is hundred percent accurate. So there's still some errors on that. And the antibody test is really not reassuring at all. We Mm. don't. So that's one of the questions like with the, the potentially having a vaccine is we don't know for sure if people can get it. If you get it once you have the antibodies, are you then immune? We actually don't know that. Mm. So, so it's, it's really a questionable or how many people are getting the antibodies that have had it. So the antibody test is not particularly reassuring right now for anybody. Um, Hopefully we will find out that you get it, you get antibodies, you're immune, you're fine to go on your life and you'll never get it again. Because that yeah. would also indicate that the vaccine is very likely to work, which would be when it comes would be awesome to know. Yeah, we need a win, COVID. Yeah. So let's yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Is hand sanitizer good enough? Um hand sanitizer is definitely better than nothing. Um, washing your hands for, you know, a good, a good 30 seconds to a minute with warm, warm water and soap is still better than hand sanitizer. Okay. And is it true that kids are less likely to pass it to adults? 
we do not know that yet. That is still, that's still, um, kids are less likely to get sick as of right now. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't know that kids are not, not, not really good carriers. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about that because kids are so much grosser. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, if anyone's going to be spreading germs, it's snotty. Spit. Like kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I, it's so, yeah, there's so much information out there, right or wrong. So I was really curious about that too, because I, yeah. I read that somewhere. I was like, that doesn't seem scientific at all. No, you know, and the thing is with like, as is, is you get little snippets of information, like maybe somebody will do one study and they'll be like, whoa, it kind of seems that maybe this is saying that, but it's not enough to go on and be like, oh yeah, now we know this definitively. It's like, oh, this is just some information that maybe, maybe, maybe we know this. And then we're getting that like 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. Well, that reminds me, you know, there's a bunch of articles going around from like medical professionals that are talking about, um, you know, people who are completely healthy that are getting hit with, yes, they're, they're not dying, but they're getting hit with like severe lung issues where they can't even run a mile after they were avid runners or, you know, just like all of these horrible organ failure issues and these are articles that are coming out from medical professionals. How much data is there really on that? Um, well, we're, you're getting data. And those are what we kind of call case studies where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's telling the story of a couple people. That isn't enough to really understand what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a ton of data and information. Like the, this is just like the biggest public health experiment that's ever happened because it's going on. Yeah. Globally too. Yeah. yeah. And actually um, there is, a fair amount of evidence that certain people who've gotten very sick, who are young and healthy are going to have long-term health consequences from it. Like not just like, Oh, I had the flu. I felt terrible. And then I'm fine. Like things, you know, um, problems with strokes or clotting or, or, or you know, long-term lung problems. And yeah. So, so there's a lot of cases and anecdotal evidence, people talking about, about that it can make people very, very sick, that it is not just, Oh, only old people get it, that it, it can mm-hmm. make people very sick. And there's, there's different strains going around of it, right? Or is that still unsure? No, there's, there are different strains. Um, I'm trying to think, cause I believe that in, so we had our first, we had our first outbreak in Seattle and that was somebody that had come directly from Wuhan and kind of mm-hmm. broke it out. Most of the cases in the U S I believe are people that had traveled from Europe and had gone to New York and some other places and spread it. And so, and there's also really interesting um, information coming out of Asia because Southeast Asia, like Vietnam and Thailand, are actually doing really well. Like they're mm-hmm. just not having the, the numbers that we're seeing here in, in Brazil and in Europe and in the U.S. Um, and there's debates about that. Is it because they wear masks? Is it because they have some immunity? Is it because they their strain is just not as strong? And so, yes, there are different strains circulating of it. And how much could that have to do with the heat? Because um, I was talking to somebody and they were saying that the heat it's it's not showing that the heat is actually killing it like a lot of viruses yeah they had people had speculated that it wouldn't it wouldn't be as bad in hot places and i think um yeah the u.s india and brazil are kind of proving that completely wrong right now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they're having the worst outbreaks in the entire world yeah yeah that doesn't seem to be that does not seem to be stopping it that was also a wishful thinking because but i think or, uh, hopeful thinking because with the 1918 flu influenza epidemic it got much much better during the summer then flared again in the fall and that was kind of the talk of like oh there's going to be the second wave like the u.s has just kind of had one continuous slow mm-hmm. climb there hasn't really been like this it hasn't gone away and gotten better so mm-hmm. yeah i think it's interesting too because people like i'm guilty of this too i mean i'm still 
really overly cautious. But there's people like at the beginning where cases weren't even as bad, but it was, you know, new and so scary that people were being so extremely cautious. And as time goes on and things are getting worse, people are kind of just getting over it and they're letting their guard down a bit when it really should be, you know, kind of tightening up and being more careful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard because our little human brains are not great at risk, especially if it's like, Mm. it's not a lion that's about to eat us. (laughs) Our brains are kind of like, it's hard to understand what's going on. And I like, again, I, you know, I'm I'm a very well-trained professional, but I still like, it's a little bit hard to believe like, oh, what's really going to happen if I just go in and do this thing or, you know, like, oh, I just want to hang out with my friend and why can't I do that? So Mm -hmm. yeah, but the numbers, I, I, the numbers are, slowly and steadily climbing even here in Washington where where it's been relatively controlled in the sense that our ICUs haven't been totally overwhelmed um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon I mean I think you know very early on there were some numbers about like okay what happens if it takes 50 if, if 50 percent of the U.S. gets infected before in a year and and that's you know we're nowhere near that so that that is something that I keep and try and keep in mind that it's it's not, not going to go away anytime soon so think about the things that you can live with and that you can maintain and keep going for months and months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to, that's, that's nice to hear because mm-hmm. honestly, everything you hear on the media is just like doom, doom, doom. So I, it's really nice to hear that, you know, perspective. That's a lot less scary. <laughs> oh, that's good. It does. It still feels like it's not great news, but no, it's not. But right. compared to like, we're all going to die. Yeah. No, we're not all going to die of COVID. Like even worst case, like worst case scenario, we're not all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the most common symptoms that we could keep an eye out for? Yeah. You know, I think, um, certainly for people to get fairly sick, um, body aches, fever, a very bad cough. Like I said, I keep on, and people that I know that have experienced it, the loss of taste seems to be a very common symptom. So, um, and you really, you know, I, you really don't even necessarily have to go in and get tested. I mean, it's kind of up for you. If you have mild symptoms, um, you'd want to isolate if you have any upper respiratory viral symptoms at all and cut, cut yourself off from anybody in your family if you can and stay in a room and stay far, far away from people to help the spread. But, um, but yeah, those are kind of the, those are the most common, the fever, the cough and, and yeah. I've been hearing people and by hearing people, I mean, Googling, which is awful. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Transparent here. Um, talk about though, you know, just having like the sniffles or like a little runny nose and they just thought it was allergies and they got tested just because, and it turned out, I mean, are we seeing more of an increase in allergy type symptoms that are really COVID? I don't know that we've seen an increase. And I'm just thinking like what I experienced clinically, it's really hard because um, we still don't have very readily available testing. And so Mm -hmm. like, um, we're not, I'm not really, I don't really have permission or authorization to test people unless they're pretty sick. So Mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to know how many people are out there with mild symptoms. So (laughs) yes, you can certainly have my, it definitely appears you can have mild symptoms and that you would never even know that you had, maybe you're just a little tired, but you didn't necessarily know that you would, you would think, oh, I have COVID. Yeah. So, so as you're going about your life and, you know, assessing what you can handle and just be really careful with that. Maybe like for me, I kind of just always have the mindset, like, I might have it. I might be asymptomatic. So I'm just everything I do, I'm going to pretend like I have it just to be extra cautious. And I fall into the trap. It's funny because I'm not like I am not a hypochondriac at all. Like I usually like plow through everything and I'm like, I wake up and I have a little bit of a headache and a sore throat. And I'm like, this must be COVID. I have it now. And like, and I'm like, I'll like 
and I get my, uh, you know, have my family stay away from me and then, and I'll feel fine the next day. But I definitely like you go through that, that mentality of like, yes. And, and I think, you know, especially if you, if you have a two-year-old and little kids, you can't really just, I mean, it's not possible to distance from them. So you do what you can do, but if you can stay away from older people or, or not go out into public at all, if you're feeling sick in any way, that's a really, that's a really good idea. Thank you for saying that, by the way, because, you know, I mean, somebody in your profession that does what you do, like to hear that you also get into your own head and, (laughs) you know, psych yourself out. I mean, I know all of us are probably in some way guilty of that. And it can feel like so, so scary. So thank you for saying that. I think that that's really like, so like, that means a lot to hear that coming from you. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just humans and this is terrifying for all of us. Yeah. So as we, if schools open or not, let's just say like going into fall, can we talk about like, what are some, what's, what's some tips for fall on how we can try to continue to stay safe because might it get worse in the fall? Yeah. So, and, and like the flu season usually gets worse in the fall because all of a sudden people are going back to school kids are you know people are indoors more they're staying more inside we actually don't know that it's gonna get like any get any faster or worse in the fall because it it, it really depends on the measures that we're taking and how careful we are it's just people spend more time indoors um and they're around each other more in in when the weather gets colder so Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't um like I said, I don't know for sure if we're going to see a huge increase if we don't have kids going back to school and if people are still really taking these measures really seriously and trying to do their social distancing and wearing masks. It might be that slow, steady climb, but never, never be like a huge spike. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be different in different parts of the country, I'm sure. Yeah. Can I just say that <laughs> this is going to just show that I'm a little bit dumb. But that just blew my mind right now that how you explained fall because I always think oh flu season for some reason I always like attributed that to the weather which it's not always cold in the fall everywhere like they still have flu season in Southern California (laughs) duh because people are inside in school like that makes a lot of sense and I feel really silly for that just being like a really huge eye-opening moment for me (laughs) I had a question about testing so you mentioned in your clinic that you don't have access to testing, just any old person that walks in. Does that seem to be pretty true statewide that you know? Like, can anyone just go get tested or do you need to have some pretty good symptoms going on? Yeah, so it is been pretty consistent and there there are different because of our very fractured medical system different different healthcare systems and different insurances etc have different options um it has been my experience that most people can't get tested super easily you have to be showing at least some symptoms or potentially have a comorbidity and actually be exposed like you can't just be like i need my test today i need my test today i need my test today um they're not going to keep on testing you and it takes a while to get that back so the last Mm -hmm. time um I, I was checked, it was like a week to get the results back, which is kind of crazy. Like that's a long time to have to wait for it. So there are variations in that, but that seems to be, that seems to be the way it is kind of across the state. Um, There are, the FDA has not approved, but there's actually some cheap at home tests that are available Mm -hmm. that aren't quite as good as like the lab test. And so there's this kind of battle about whether they should be available, but other countries have like the ability for people to just like for five cents, you can just test yourself at home and, and wow. you could do it. You could do it every day if you wanted to, if that was important. Mm-hmm. To you. So, oh my gosh, that'd be so dangerous was- for me. <laughs> That's interesting because 
logically, that makes me think, okay, if the test numbers are coming back and the people being tested are only the ones that are really sick, there could be a huge number of people oh. asymptomatic that are the ones going around spreading it, not knowing that they have it and not being careful. Absolutely. No, estimates range that for every one person that gets tested and is positive because they're in the medical system, that anywhere between six and 20 people are um, are positive out there and are not getting tested or asymptomatic. Sorry, that's scary. I just saw your face. No, 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 no. I know. Yeah, there's, and so when we talk about the numbers, it's, um, yeah, that there are potentially a lot more people out there that are, that are, you know, that are, that are carriers and are spreading it. Yeah, there, I don't know the numbers at all, but my, um, my sister's fiance was talking about like in other countries, there's a lot of tests coming back saying like huge numbers of the population probably have already had it and have been asymptomatic carriers, which is is scary but almost like a little bit comforting to think you know like maybe a lot of us have already had it and if it is that lucky you know you have it and you never have it again then it's not the worst thing yeah and that does not seem to be the case in washington so there's been a Mm -hmm. couple in in the united states and i can't speak as much to other countries in the united states there's been a couple tests where they've tested a large population like you know two thousand people just to see and it was still only like five percent of the population had had it oh, wow. so we're no, so at least in the u.s we're nowhere near that hopefully at that point of hopefully getting to herd immunity where like 50 or 60 percent of the population has had it so <laughs> yeah so how like how does this go away because you hear i mean now they're talking about like oh we have to beat covid but i mean how do you beat it's not just going to disappear so is it is it it needs to be a vaccine before it can go away or is it if we all social distance and wear masks eventually it won't have anybody to infect and it will die i mean i don't know if that's um no probably probably i mean so it's not going to just go away like it's going to be the virus is kind of out there and spread so chances are it's going to be around um and then it's just one of those you know illnesses that you know if you like you may get a, a bacterial pneumonia and people may just get COVID and that might be something that happens in the future. I think mm-hmm. that by far the best bet is that we will um, we will get a vaccine. People will agree to be vaccinated on a large enough scale that it's not it's not a common infection. that It's, it's out there. Um, yeah. And that and that the other kind of option, one of the other hopeful scenarios is they find really good treatments for it. So those people that are really, really critically ill, they can get treatment and it's not it's not, a, it doesn't have as high a fatality rate. So, but no, I think that the coronavirus, you know, the coronavirus as it is now is just going to be a disease that's going to be out there. Yeah. Scary. But we, we're, we're going to be the ones to tell the story about yeah. it when we're, when we're old. I know. It's like, it's like, it feels like momentous on the scale of like World War II. I mean, just, you know, as far as like, what is, what is this global event that, that like is just profoundly changing all of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think the last question we have on here um, is if there are any insights on COVID and pets. Like, do we need to worry about our pets able to spread it? Can they get sick? I know I've heard a couple anecdotal cases of like the what was it the tiger at the Brooklyn Zoo? Yeah. But I I have not heard anything like credibly to be really worried about pets. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for letting us pick your brain, letting our listeners pick your brain. And most of all, thank you for what you do. Honestly, I mean, this has been such a treat having you on here and we really appreciate and respect you so much. So thank you so, so much for your time. 
Well, thank you. That was, it was, it was very fun to talk to you guys. So thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go, we have one more fun thing to do. We're going to switch gears from the whole uh, COVID. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the world and shit, you know, that whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to move on to um, a little bit of our hot mess moment. And we would love for you. We just have our, our guests share a little hot mess moment in their own lives. And we'd love to hear something from you. Okay. So, you know, it's funny. And like I, I had mentioned at the beginning of the, the call that I was like, I my kids are teenagers. So I had to ask them a couple questions. So I, I narrowed it down to, you know, there was one, I love travel. Like traveling is like the thing that I love to do most in the world. And I just had all these, I wanted so much. My kids are really close in age and there's four of them. And we would take these road trips to national parks and all over all the time. And I remember like, and three of the kids were like in adolescence, like puberty. And I, we were in the car and they had spent like, I don't know how many hours, just like screaming at each other and just like miserable. And like, and I just, it's funny. Cause I was being like, what was the moment where I just felt defeated and just like, Oh my God. And just the realization that like, we can't do this anymore. Like, this is not part of our family. Like this is not working. I need to deal with the reality <laughs> of that. My kids cannot be locked inside small spaces together close by ever again. Like we have to never do this. So and I, I'm pretty sure there was like, there was many tears shed at that moment and just like being like, I can't fix this. This is not getting better. We will not do that. I think we've all been there in one way or another. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. I, my kids are five and seven and either they have really, really good days together or really bad days. And I cannot imagine when they get older, how, how fun that's going to be. So I do not pity you, but I'm sure I'll be there very soon. As long as they keep their distances in general, it's fine. It's like, like, just like, as long as they're not too close to each other, it's all okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your hot mess with us. We really appreciate that. And um, yeah, so I guess, thank you so much for answering all our questions. Um, If people wanted to follow along with you, maybe reach out and ask you any questions, where would they be able to find you to do that? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Biggerstaff for LD22, and I am on Facebook at Mary Ellen Biggerstaff. Um, and yeah, if anybody has any questions, like I said, I was trying to give the best information I have, but if there's something that I was wrong that I gave, like the wrong information out, or I was mistaken, or they have a follow-up question, I would love to hear about that too. Great. Awesome. Thank great. You. Well, thank you so much. It was so great chatting with you, <laughs> and we will see everybody next week. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies. And until next time, stay stay bossy. bossy.